mercy. It's a powerful and important word. And uh, mercy is the word that we are going to latch on to a little bit today. Uh, I say a little bit. What I really mean is a lot. We're going to latch on to mercy a lot today. As we open up God's Word, I would encourage you to go ahead and open up the Word of God to Matthew in chapter 5, and we're going to jump back into our series on the Beatitudes called Being Salt. We want to be the flavor of Jesus in this world. Amen? Amen. Let's prepare our hearts for the Word this morning. I I appreciate the, the, the way that that Pastor Dwight led us this morning. That it, was, it was really cool that we, we learned a new song, and I'm like, hey, Lennon and McCartney move over because uh, Pastor Dwight and Paul are uh, writing songs together now. So uh, you guys got at least one thing on Lennon and McCartney, and that's that uh, there's no Lennon anymore. So, you know, uh, you could be the next duo, I'm just saying. Uh, but let's pray together. Father God, we, uh, we're so thankful for the opportunity we have to open up your word. We... Lord, we receive your grace through your word. Because, Father, you gave us this Bible because you wanted us to experience your grace. You wanted us to know what you're like, and you wanted us to know what it looks like to follow after your son Jesus. And so you gave us this. Not only as an instruction book or as the good book, but as the way to lead us to follow after you, Lord. This with the presence of your Holy Spirit together, we know has the power to lead us to be the godly people you've called us to be. And so we pray this morning you would help our hearts to see your word for what it is. Not just as, a, as, as black and white letters on a page, Father, but, but what it truly is, and that is a love letter from you to us, your children something that you gave us to help us to see you. And Father, I know that the requirement here is that we need your Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to open our eyes to see. Because just as we sang, open our eyes, Lord. If our eyes are not open, if the Holy Spirit is not present this morning to help us see, um, then we'll just see words on on paper. We won't actually, this won't be the word of God to us if you don't come through. So Lord, we ask that you'd be present this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And then we, oh, and we bless our kids, by the way, as they head out. Pastor Dwight's leading them this morning, and Connor, I believe, is helping. And so uh, we bless you guys, and uh, uh, we bless our nursery workers, which I believe is uh, my, my lovely wife, and, and Sandra, I believe, are in the nursery today. So uh, we bless you ladies as well. Um, and we, they may not be going back there, because I think it's just Toby today. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> if he's sleeping, that's... That's great. Okay, well, anyway, well, let's open up our Bibles together to Matthew chapter 5. We are going to go ahead and read through this this morning. I, I believe the context is really important, so I want to go back and reread this passage every time we, we approach this chapter because these Beatitudes are linked. Okay, we're not, so we're not just looking at, at uh, little snippets. These are linked. There's a context, and the context is important. So let's read through this together, starting with Matthew chapter 5, all the way back to verse 1. When he saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain. He went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, because your reward is great in heaven. For they persecuted the prophets before you in the same way. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by people. Each one of these Beatitudes, I mean, this is a, a reminder because it's been a few weeks since we've been here, okay? So each one of these Beatitudes is a characteristic, a quality of Jesus himself. And that's why we're, we're calling this series Being Salty, because to be salty, to be a preservative for this world, because that's what salt is, right? In biblical, the biblical understanding of salt. They didn't just put it on their food because it tasted good. We do that because first world problems, you know, but, but like we got refrigerators to keep our meat cold. But back then, yeah, yeah, we got, we got a lot of modern amenities, but back then they did not have what we have. They would coat their meat in salt and hang it up and let it cure. Kind of like we do bacon, but we also refrigerate our bacon, but it was kind of like that. And that's how they preserved their food. So salt was important in those days. If you didn't have salt, you were in trouble. Salt is a preservative. It keeps things from going bad. It keeps things from rotting. And so the idea here, when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, He says, you're preserving. You're a preservative. And that's important. And so each one of these is a quality of Jesus Himself, which He is calling us to also exhibit in our lives. And so we are called to be salty. And so uh, I want to talk a little bit about mercy specifically, because that is our focus beatitude today. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. It's an important statement on several levels. We could, we could tackle this from several angles and have a good sermon from each one. But let's, let's just think for a minute. I would like for you to think for a minute. What do you think of when you hear this verse? Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Have you ever heard the chicken or the egg question? I'm sure you have. None of us here have been living under a rock. Maybe we've been in our houses for too long this year, but uh, not under a rock, hopefully. Hopefully no one had a rock fall through their house. Well, Gloria had a tree fall in her house, but thank God that His grace is, is covering uh, those things for her. But, um, but when you read this, you may be thinking, well, was it saying here that, that there is a condition to being shown mercy in that, from God, and that's that I have to show mercy? I, I don't think that's exactly what the Scriptures are trying to tell us here. I think the scriptures are talking about the kind of person that receives mercy. We, we often say that what God does to you, He wants to do through you, right? He, in, in other words, God doesn't just come and, and, and give you a gift and expect that you're going to keep it to yourself. The, the great reformers of the Reformation, they used to say, 
That we're saved by a grace alone, but not a grace that remains alone. Grace always produces something in us, and it flows out of us into others, right? Just like Jesus, right? Just like Jesus. Because when we're called to be his disciples, in fact, we remember the Great Commission, right? To the church, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, right? We know this. If you've been in church for five minutes, you've heard that, right? I mean, especially if you've been, you've been around this church because we like missions here. But, man, I mean, we know we're called to make disciples. But disciples of who or what? Disciples of Jesus, right? Not just disciples generally. Like, I'm not setting out to make a disciple of me. Please, do not pattern your life after me except to the extent that my life looks like Jesus, Right? Like Paul used to say to his disciples, or like he specifically said to the Philippians, follow me as I follow Christ, right? <laughs> to the extent that I follow Christ, I'm worth following. But if there's anywhere where I fall short, you, you, you just write that part off and say, that doesn't look like Jesus, and move on down the road, right? But to some level, we're, we're called by God to, we were created as image bearers, right? To, to, the Bible says we were created in God's image, to carry His image, to, to speak to the universe, about what God is like. God is spirit. That's significant. God is spirit, but he created us as material beings with his image in order to reflect himself into the universe. And this earth was created by God to be a temple that would reflect his glory and man was the priest. And when we walked away from that, what we walked away from was our very life and our very purpose. So all of this stuff is really important because if God had a specific plan for the world and the world has gone in a different direction and God has set out to do a restoration work in this world and he started with his church and we're beckoning others to come in, what we're essentially doing is helping to restore things to the way God originally intended them to be. By carrying God's image and projecting God's image into the world. And calling others to come and have life in Jesus. So, blessed are the merciful. Why? Why is mercy so important? Mercy is important because mercy is very dear to the heart of God. And if it wasn't for His mercy, none of us would be here. Amen. Tim Keller has written that justice... By the way, this is a book called Generous Justice. Really great book if you want to read a good book on justice and not one of the other bad ones that are out there. If you want to read a good book on justice, grab Tim, Tim Keller's book, Generous Justice. But in this book, he writes that justice is what we are due. It's what we deserve. It's what we've earned. If I, if I receive, uh, if, I, if I've committed a crime, justice is I receive a just penalty for my crime. I think the world doesn't really understand what justice actually is sometimes. Because we're all talking about justice. I'm like, do you really want justice? Do you really? I think what people really want is mercy. But we're going to get there in a second. Because if justice is what we deserve, justice is what we're due, then mercy is what I don't get even though I deserve it. Uh, about 12 years ago, while I was pastoring the first, or the, uh, the Calumet Baptist Church, 
I, I say the Calumet, well, it was not the first Baptist, it was the only Baptist church in Calumet, and it was the, one of the only churches in Calumet, actually, there was only like three, and uh, we were one of them, actually there were four, we were one of them, small town, I'm sure many of you all have driven past Calumet on your way you know, home from Texas, <laughs> that's like the only thing you know, is like, oh, it's that little sign on I-40, that, oh, oh, the Cherokee Trading Post, right, we all know about that, you can get your moccasins over there, um, it's a good place, they got a candy bar for the, and I mean candy bar, not like a candy bar, like a bar of candy for the children, I've never taken the kids there, but I personally have visited, anyway, um, but, but the, uh, but I, we were driving to Calumet, we, we were, at the time, we were students at UCO, and some, for some reason, those people hired a 20-something-year-old kid to be their pastor, probably because no one else would do it, but anyway, they, 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 they hired me, and I, so I, I was pastoring this church, I pastored that church for two years, um, while we were in college, it was a great experience, God taught me a lot during that time, but that particular Sunday, we were running a little late, Y'all know, you know, you know, I mean, now, when you're the pastor, you kind of feel extra bad about being late to church. Uh, it, was, it was just Sunday school, so, you know, not as big of a deal. But, uh, but you know, but, but I was feeling, like, the pressure to get there, you know, because here I was, like, 21, 22 years old. Think, I was like, I got I to gotta be there. I got to be on top of this thing, right? So we had this little Chrysler Sebring Coupe. I'm not saying it was a fast car, okay? But it kind of looked fast, right, Stacey? I mean, it was, it was black. It, it was kind of like, nah. Chrysler V6. Anyway, it, it wasn't that fast, but it, it was, it was kind of fun, and, and it was easy to drive fast in that little thing, because it kind of looked like a cheapened version of the Batmobile, but anyway, so, so we, she loved that car. We, we, were, we were, let's just say maybe we were exceeding the speed limit a little bit. I was driving, I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll admit, I was exceeding the speed limit a little bit because we had to get there, we had to be at Sunday school, it's a Baptist church, y'all know how big Sunday school is to those people, we're, we're, we're flying down the road, we're flying down I-40, right? And I'm, I'm not thinking anything of it, I'm not even paying attention to how fast I'm going, I'm just, I'm like, I gotta get there, I'm just moving, pedal to the metal, you know? And next thing I know, I see the Blue and red lights, state trooper, right out, by, right out by El Reno, just coming to have a friendly conversation with me, you know? We put, he pulls me over, and uh, I already knew I was going at least 85, because um, I glanced down right when the lights came on. I thought, I'm, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> so 15 over, not probably going to be particularly appreciated by this officer. So he pulls me over. And, uh, you know, he just very kindly walks up and, sir, where are you in such a hurry to be this morning? <laughs> I, I had to look at this police officer and say, sir, I am a pastor at the church right up here and I'm late to Sunday school. <laughs> and, uh, and the best part, he looks at me and goes, I pulled the pastor from the Christian church over this morning, too. <laughs> so uh, he, he, I, he, he made some joke about something being in the water or something in Calumet. And, I mean, there probably is, but I, I don't know. And he, uh, and he just he, he, he gave me a warning that day. He gave me a warning, and he said, listen, he said, Pastor, slow down. He handed me the warning, and uh, I was really thankful for that warning, and to be honest, I don't know if I've sped since then. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I'm a rule follower now, guys. Um, in fact, I, I got a little project car I'm working on that's pretty fast. I'm fast up to the speed limit. 
And then after that, I'm, I'm, you know, but, but that day, what I received from that police officer, that was mercy because you know what? I deserved a ticket that day. I should have gotten that ticket. Absolutely should have gotten that ticket. I was going 15 over. It was on me. Uh, I wasn't obeying the law of the land. And so I should have received justice. But when the officer handed me that, that pink warning, instead of giving me a ticket, he was extending to me mercy. And that's what God does for each one of us when he overlooks our sins. And by the way, he doesn't overlook. That's probably the wrong terminology. He doesn't overlook our sins when he forgives our sins. Because forgiveness is costly. And mercy is costly. Understand that. That that officer cost the state about 150 bucks that day. Right? Because by giving me a warning instead of a citation, uh, he cost the state money. Someone had to absorb the cost of giving mercy that day. Am I right? And every time you or I extend mercy, there's a personal cost. Sometimes I'm real, people, people offend me sometimes. I don't know about y'all. Like, I'm about done with Facebook right now. But anyways, I, like, like people can sometimes get on my nerves. And I think we all have that at times, we, where someone is just on your nerves. And, you know, we can hold it against them. We can press in or we can release it and grant mercy. Mercy is when I give someone something that they don't... I, I, sorry, I'm going to say this better. When I don't give them what they deserve... That's mercy. And so when Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, what he's saying is, I want you to be like me. Right? That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, disciples, I want you to be like me. Because here's the thing. The reality is, now, we don't like to think about this in this culture. We live in a culture where we don't really like to think about receiving mercy. Our culture actually hates mercy. You may not realize that, and the culture probably doesn't even realize it. The culture hates mercy because because if we admit to receiving mercy, then we admit that we've done something wrong. And we do not like to admit that we've done something wrong. We'd rather justify ourselves. We'd rather change the rules than admit we broke one and then have to receive mercy. Am I right? I mean, look look around us right now. Everything that's been going on in our world. We live in a culture that absolutely loves its own brokenness. And we are a part of that culture. We'd be lying if we said we weren't. You got a pet sin, right? I got a pet sin. We all have these things that, that as Christians we struggle with. We wrestle with them because that's... That's part of it. As a Christian, you're wrestling with your flesh, right? You're like, I want to put that old person down so I can pick up the new person and be like Jesus. But can we just admit that there are times when we maybe don't fight as hard? Maybe we tolerate it a little bit? We're tolerant. We're tolerant people. You know, tolerance is very opposed to mercy. I'll get into that in a minute. But, but, but that's actually the world's value. The world's value is tolerance, but the kingdom value is mercy. Let's talk a little, we'll talk a little bit about the difference between those two. But, but, um, and you could even say something as far as tolerance might even be something like strength without feeling or emotion or strength without empathy. Right? To, to justify oneself. But to not have to, you know, to, to always appear as strong but not have to admit that there's actually something broken in me. It's sort of what tolerance boils down to. 
But what is mercy? Again, we, we've, we've talked a little bit about this, but when we, we gave Keller's definition, we, we kind of gave a, um, a, a general definition. I want to give more of a, a dictionary definition. This is actually from the New Oxford American Dictionary. It says, Compassion and forgiveness shown towards someone when it is within one's power to punish or harm. It's a good dictionary definition. Got to appreciate the British for translating that for us Americans, you know? Uh, the New Oxford American Dictionary. But other words that we might relate to it, words like leniency, clemency, compassion, grace, pity, charity, forgiveness, forbearance, humanity. I, I just can't help but to hear Bugs Bunny. Oh, the humanity. You know, and the, but, but man. <laughs> Humans are supposed to be merciful. I think inherently most of us kind of know that. Because we're supposed to be like God. Soft-heartedness, mildness, tender-heartedness, kindness, sympathy, liberality. That was not a political statement, so don't y'all go tweeting me, okay? Uh, don't tweet at me about that. Indulgence, tolerance, <laughs> generosity, magnanimity. Lots of kind words, right? Lots of nice things. But some antonyms might be ruthlessness, cruelty, inhumanity. I, I think the first impulse of a lot of people in the world, probably most of us who are sons of Adam and daughters of Eve, and you do the math on who that includes, um, is that we want instant gratification in this world. Somebody does me harm, I want instant retribution. I want instant recompense. I want, uh, you know, someone... Someone rear-ends me, I just well up with anger, and I'm like, you messed my car up, and I want, I want to get after him. I want him to pay me now. Write me a check. Actually, don't do that, because those bounce. Give me your credit card number. <laughs> right? Like we, but we want it right now. I'm going to read you this quote from, uh, this is from a book I've been reading. I've mentioned this a few times, but it's actually a book on the Beatitudes. It's, it's kind of a it's a pastoral apologetics book. It's really good. It's called Our Good Crisis by Jonathan Dodson, but he wrote this. A thin understanding of mercy misconstrues it as overlooking a wrong or not being so judgmental. This is why I was reminded of my police officer story, because he was talking about it. When an officer issues a warning citation, however, he doesn't overlook a wrong, he reinforces it. The pink slip is there to remind us we are wrong. We deserve this ticket. We broke the law. Mercy exists because of justice. Although we deserve its justice, when we get what we don't deserve, that's mercy. And so there's a, there are three things that I was thinking about as I was praying through this. Three ways that, specifically, I think mercy is, is really critical for us. But one is that when we extend mercy, we acknowledge the world is broken and in need of restoration. We're acknowledging that we live in a broken world, Right? When I say I need mercy, when I, when I extend mercy to somebody else, I'm just acknowledging, hey, you're broken just like I am. We're both, we're both people who, are, who were made to be a certain way and we haven't lived up to it. We were made in the image of God, but we don't look much like God. For mercy to be extended, there, must, there, there has to first be a transgression. But we live in a world, again, like I said, where transgressions are often explained away as nothing more than an alternative to be tolerated. 
This is another quote from that book, just because it's so good, and it's kind of long. I just, I, I couldn't say it any better, so I figured I'd just read what he wrote. <laughs> he says, most of us don't like to think of ourselves as recipients of mercy. For this reason, tolerance can be quite appealing. It smooths out blunt moral edges, so we don't have to admit failure. Tolerance props up the big me. The impulse of tolerance is to overlook a wrong, tolerate what's unjust, wink an eye at what's immoral. It's thin mercy and not real mercy. This impulse flows from its chief aim, to validate the individual, not what is just. Tolerance makes a secret pact. If you accept whatever works for me, I'll accept whatever works for you. Right or wrong doesn't matter as, as, as much as getting our way. The policy of tolerance operates under the guise of accepting others' views, beliefs, and decisions in reality. Tolerance rejects any view that opposes it. It tries to sacrifice judgments, judgment on the altar of inclusivity, but in the process it, ex it excludes any who oppose it. The world's viewpoint. By the way, every one of these Beatitudes is, is, is really juxtaposed against a general way that the world is behaving, which is actually against our programming that we were given initially, which is to follow after God, to be like Him. Right? It's, it's, it's the, the, the nature of God in us which has been perverted. The image of God in, it, in us which has been defaced. And the beatitude is the correction. And we've been saying this for weeks now. But the, the chief problem with humanity... You ready for this? I, I, I feel like we are solving the world's problems right now. The, the, the chief problem with humanity is that our hearts are turned away from God and towards ourselves. That's the main problem. We're turned inward. And because we're turned inward, we, we, we cause all kinds of problems out there. Because all, all we think about ultimately, that our, our chief motivation is self. Now I know not everybody is a selfish, bad person. Listen, there's common grace, what we call common grace, where God gives us all, there, there's a hint of good in every person. I truly believe that. There's a hint of good in every person. But oftentimes, our, our motivations are skewed so that we, we've got to learn to follow Jesus and look at the way He does it. And he, he begins molding us in such a way to where we can see rightly through the eyes of faith. But Americans tend to like to stand alone to be the subject of judgment from no one. But honestly, that's a foolish way to live. A really foolish way to live. You know, how many times have, have we said or heard someone else say, I really don't care what other people think about me? I've said it before. It's very American. <laughs> you know, it's just very American not to care, just to try to, to march to the beat of your own drum, you know, do it your way, to be a James Dean, you know? I do like his Mustang. But anyway, I, I don't, but, but the guy, you know, that's very American. It's a very American way to think and, and, and to act. Because we're such an individualistic nation. But we got to understand that the, life is a team sport. Right? If one player gets a foul, we all have to deal with the penalty. And so when in a society, when people are running amok and, and, and living in sin and brokenness and reinforcing twisted stereotypes and defacing the image of God that's, supposed to, that, that's on them, that is on them, and they're just defacing it every time they choose to walk away from God and do something else. Every time they choose tolerance over mercy or justice, uh, and, and they don't understand 
the reality of the kingdom of God that's in our midst, it's not good for society. It's not leading us down a just path. Just in the same way, when, I, when, when we treat someone as, diff, as, as less than because they have a different color of skin, that's not, that's not good for society. Uh, I was a philosophy major in college. Many of you know that by now because I say it a lot. But um, I don't, I, it was an interesting experience. But one thing that I really appreciate about philosophy is I read a lot of old dead guys that wrote some really smart things. And one of those old dead guys is Plato. And he wrote a, uh, a, a treatise called The Republic. And some of you may have been forced to also read that in school. And if so, I apologize um, for your suffering. But we, you know, I, you know it's, it's, it's really great some of the things that he, that he says in there. And, and actually, it's the foundation for Western democracy up to today. Um, but, but in this, he basically paints this picture of, of justice not being about the individual, but actually about what's good for society as a whole. We make a just decision when we do something that's for the good of society, to help us to have a good society, a, a good place where people can live and, and raise their families and, and, and feel safe. It's not much what our country looks like these days. And maybe it's because we've made such a chain of decisions over the course of the years and we've made so many sinful activities mainstream and okay that we've just lost our sense of justice. We don't know what equity is. We don't understand that, that God has called us to use mercy and not tolerance as our guiding point. That mercy acknowledges the brokenness, but says to the person, you matter, and we're willing to take the penalty together, and we're willing to work through this, and we'll forgive you. But also mercy doesn't let us off the hook. It doesn't mean that we can keep acting the way that we've been acting, right? If that officer would have given me a warning and then he caught me speeding on the way home, you know, he probably would have gave me a ticket. <laughs> Mercy is designed to get our attention so that we don't have to face the full brunt of justice. And through mercy, someone else takes the justice for me and allows me to have the freedom to live the way I was designed to be. So what is the cross of Jesus about? The cross of Jesus is Jesus Christ taking the justice I deserve so that I can receive mercy so then I can live the way I was designed by Him to live. Right? What is 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become His righteousness. That's why I never understood a Christian who receives Jesus and then goes on living like hell. It makes no sense to me. You were given mercy so that you could change and turn and repent and become the person you were created to be. That's freedom to be who Jesus made you to be. Not license to do whatever you want to do. That only breeds more destruction in our lives when we just go and do whatever we want to. Why did God give us a country like this where we're free to worship and free to, to live and, and it's not just so we can go do whatever we want to. That's not why God gave us a country like this. God gave us a country like this so we would be free to learn what it's like to be truly human. And that's to follow Jesus. And, and every time... I, I, I didn't set out to make this a big political sermon, but, and this is not really political, this is for everybody. Every time we make a choice as a nation 
to legitimize sin or to tolerate something that's, that, that is broken rather than to correct it. Now, I'm not to say that we should, I'm not, I'm not saying we should have witch trials and burn people at the stake. I'm talking, this is based on mercy. To love people well. Every time we let sin slide and legitimize it, we just take ourselves more and more down the path to destruction. Pastor Richard talked about this in his sermon uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, right? Blessed are the merciful. Why is that so important? Again, I'm asking this question. Because the world needs to see mercy lived out. The world doesn't understand mercy. The world has a skewed view of justice. The world doesn't understand mercy, which is, yeah, you're broken, but I'm willing to take, the, I'm willing to take responsibility for something that's not my fault in your life so that you can rise up and become a better person, become who God made you to be. That's what Jesus did for us. Your sin and my sin wasn't his responsibility. It was not. He didn't do it. It wasn't his choice. He gave us a perfect world to live in and said, look, you got everything. Just follow me and you'll be okay. In fact, that tree in the garden was God's grace because he was trying to show them what it was like to not obey him and, and, and trying to keep him away from that. Told him what would happen. We all know what happened. And we've been chewing on that fruit with Adam and Eve ever since. When we're merciful, we show that we have experienced mercy. That's, why the, that's another reason this is so important. Not only does the world need to see it. By the way, uh, my wife's been reading this book on middle childhood. And one of the things in that book they were talking about is is kids who receive love from their parents are far less likely to be a mess when they grow up. I think we already know that, right? Like, uh, the best way to get better grades out of kids is for teachers to love them harder, not for teachers to ride them harder, <laughs> right? That's, that's what this research has been showing, that, that if, they can, if they know love and they have something to look forward to, then they'll perform better because it comes out of love yeah. and not out of a sense of duty. We tend to fight against duty, but we will melt under love. And so, like, mercy extended towards people is love. And they feel love, and they're going to want to follow, they're, they're, they're going to be more attracted to us because they feel love coming to us. You want to change the world? Can we look at our enemies with love instead of with anger? Can we look at people we view as political opponents or, or, or uh business opponents or whatever they are, can we stop looking at them as enemies? Can we stop looking at our fellow Americans as somebody that, that we've got to fight against and just start loving people like Jesus loves people? doesn't mean we have to accept everything that's coming at us. It doesn't mean we have to validate bad beliefs or bad thoughts, but we can still love people. I think that might change the world. But, but, but again, mercy... When we extend mercy, we're showing that we've actually experienced mercy ourselves. And here's why that's so important. Now, this goes back to the, earlier when we talked about the chicken or the egg. You may say, you know, if, if you say that God's only going to show mercy to people who extend mercy, which is kind of what that sounds like, this, this passage, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Doesn't that mean that I have to perform to get God's grace? Doesn't that mean that my salvation is conditional? 
And I, I, I would say absolutely not. Scripture is pretty clear that it's by grace that you've been saved. But as we said earlier, it's like the reformers said, it's a grace that does not remain alone. Because here's, here's what I know about God's grace is when I experience God's grace, it, God's grace, it changes me. So I become the kind of person who wants to extend grace to other people because of who Jesus is in me, right? Now, you remember Jesus' parable of the unforgiving servant, right? And, and, and his master forgave him this massive debt, but he wouldn't forgive his fellow servant this tiny little debt. And so what happened? The master came back and said, look, you're, you're a fool and you're wicked. And he said, because you, I forgave you this huge debt and you wouldn't forgive this little debt. I'm, you're going to have to pay for this big debt now. Because you know what? He, the master saw that that servant, even though he was extended mercy, he didn't receive it. Because if he'd received it, he couldn't help but to extend it. And so they, they, go, they go hand in hand. We as Christians, we, as we receive mercy, we become extenders of mercy. Now I'm not saying you have to be perfect at it. I'm not saying that, that when we struggle, we're going to lose our salvation. You know, like, like, oh my goodness, I didn't extend mercy when my when my uh, co-worker jammed the copier and now i got to get saved again. That's not what I'm saying. But mercy becomes a part of who we are. Mercy becomes a part of who we are, a general part. It becomes more integrated into our lives. In other words, we're growing more and more into mercy, becoming more merciful people. And we recognize it when we're wrong. We repent, right? But it becomes a part of who we are. God is good and merciful to everyone, us included. And, and, and I just feel like this third thing, which I'm just going to touch on real quick, is really important, but that when we are merciful, it spreads the aroma of Christ into a rotting world. It surprises people when we live this way. Do you know why? People don't live this way. <laughs> people don't live this way, man. I mean... People, we live in a culture that is so different than this in so many ways. And when Jesus calls us to this, he's calling us to be other. He's calling us to be like him. He's calling us to live as if the kingdom of heavens, kingdom of the heavens, are here now. Because they are. It is. Kingdom of heaven is here today in you and in me. And when we extend mercy, what we're doing is we are crashing over this world with waves of grace. I, I want to close with this thought. I, uh, we, we recently visited the ocean. Um, I like the ocean. I really do. It's, a fun, uh, it's, it's very fun. Uh, but particularly, we were in the Gulf of Mexico. And, uh, and, and one of my favorite things... It, from when I was a kid, one of my favorite things is just to stand and be smacked by waves. I don't know if you guys like that. I, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm weird. But I love to just be wrecked by ocean waves. I've loved that my whole life. You know, the first time my, my, my parents took us to the ocean, that was my favorite thing, just having those waves come in and knock me over. And I have to go further in to get knocked over now than I did when I was a kid because I'm a lot bigger and taller. But but, uh, but Stacy can tell you, I, I found some big waves out there, and I, it was so much fun having those waves just crash over on top of me. I could, I could probably be a beach bum. I don't know. But, um, but, but I was just thinking that the kingdom of God is crashing in around us, right? 
And whenever we are extending mercy, and these other Beatitudes as well, whenever we're doing these things, in a very real sense, we're like the waves of heaven breaking over on people. Sometimes they don't know what to do with that, right? Sometimes you smack into somebody and they fall in the sand. I don't know. Um, because they don't know how to react to God's grace. But, but I, I, I truly believe if, if, if people's hearts are the way the Bible says they are, if, if we were made in the image of God and there's some hint of His glory inside of us, I believe that when people see these realities being lived through us, there's something inside of them that is just going to yearn for it. And that's why Jesus called us to be the salt of the earth. Because when we live this way, they're remembering. It's almost like they've heard a rumor that God is true. And that that all of the values of the kingdom and the virtues of the kingdom are real. And they see it lived out in us. And it's like this distant rumor from a distant land that that they'd forgotten. And all of a sudden it starts to well back up. And some people, some people, that little glimpse of the light is enough that they start walking down the tunnel. And you and I have the opportunity by extending mercy to be that little glimpse of God's grace that people need that might get their attention. And then you know what? You have an opportunity to share about the reason for the hope that is in you with others. I'm a firm believer in this. You know what the hope of the world is? Christ in you. Christ in you. You are the carrier of the gospel of Jesus. And you extend, you, you extend gospel influence by extending mercy. I could talk a lot more about this, but I'm not going to. We're going to pray. And what I want to do is I, I want to invite you to repentance this morning. Maybe a little thing. Maybe something big. Maybe, it's, maybe you've just been living your life and, and for a while you've really been struggling with this. Mercy has been lacking in your life. You're angry towards other people. You're snippy. You, you're lashing out at people. You're holding other people responsible for things that, that aren't yours. Maybe, maybe that's where you've been struggling today. That's a lack of mercy. Maybe God's calling you to return to mercy today to remember the mercy you've received in Jesus. Then there may be some here that that need prayer for healing. There may be some people here who need prayer for a variety of things. Maybe you need to receive Jesus for the very first time in your life. We want to have a conversation with you about that. We're going to pray. And uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to actually, we're going to receive a, a benediction. And then I would just encourage you to find someone who would pray with you. Find myself, Pastor Richard, any, any, you know, Gloria's back there. She loves to pray with people. Dennis is over here. There's several people around the world, around the room, around the world, yes, and around the room, who would love to pray with you this morning. And we want to help you do business with God. Okay? Does that sound good? All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace. And God, we thank you that we've received mercy. Lord, you don't just tolerate us. You love us. You, you extend mercy to us. And even though we're a mess, God, when you look at us, you see the righteousness of your son Jesus. And that blows my mind every day to realize that I am not getting what I actually deserve, but I'm getting the reward Christ deserves. Because you've extended mercy to me. And Father, I pray that you would help us as a a church to do to do right by the mercy that you've given us. 
I pray that we would actually maximize the mercy that, we, that you've extended to us and that we wouldn't waste what we've been given. Help us to live holy and pure lives because you freed us to live those lives, Lord. We know that. Help us to be the people you've called us to be. And Father, I also pray that you would help us not to beat ourselves up whenever we fall, but help us to just keep looking back to Jesus turning our faith towards you because to be faith-filled people, that's what it means to look to you. Help us to be that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from New Covenant Fellowship. We'd love to connect with you. If God spoke to you today, if you'd like someone to pray for you, you can text us at 405-518-5164 or visit us at ncfokc.org to find other ways to connect with our church. God bless. Have a great day.